Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Hey everybody, it's Zach from Denver Stiffs. Want to tell you about what's going down here Wednesday, October 18th. We've teamed up with the Denver Nuggets and Gil Whiteley of Mile High Sports to throw the biggest Stiffs night out, the biggest Denver Nuggets watch party that there is. We're going to be down at the Celtic on 14th and Market Street. Rocky's going to be there. The Denver Nuggets dancers are going to be there. Gil's throwing down 100 bucks on drinks. You guys are going to want to get down there. We're going to cheer on the Nuggets as they take on the Jazz to kick off the 2017-2018 season. Prizes, drinks, it's going to be the spot to be on Wednesday night. Make sure you're there. That's at the Celtic, 14th and Market Street. Hope to see you guys. Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh. We are back again. Uh, we, we took a week off last week. I was just really busy, so uh, we, we didn't have a chance to record. So that means that today's show is actually going to be a, be a big one. But let's start off, as we always do, remind you guys, you want to check out denverstiffs.com. That is, of course, the largest Denver Nuggets blog on the web, um, or I guess anywhere else blogs might exist. Uh, then you also want to check us out, of course, on Twitter at Denver Stiffs, Instagram at the Denver Stiffs, and make sure to give us a follow and a like on Facebook. Also, if you enjoy the Pickaxe podcast, make sure to go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, leave us some reviews; those are always very important, uh, and we do appreciate it. So, uh, oh, and also, of course, um, as I always say, you want to make sure you're doing all that stuff because. You will find stuff on all those social media platforms that you're not necessarily going to find at denverstiffs.com. So if you want all the coverage, all the analysis, um, and everything that comes with the whole Denver Stiffs experience, you're going to want to make sure you're following all those accounts. All right, business is out of the way. Actually, I lied again. We're off to a terrible start. I got one more, <laughs> one more piece of business to get to. As you guys just heard, I, I never run, I never run promos before, uh, before the show starts. But I did this week, and I did it for. Uh, for our own selfish benefit, and I want to point it out again, 
October 18th down at the Celtic on Market Street. I believe it's 14th and Market Street. We are going to be there watching the Nuggets take on the Jazz for opening night, and we are not going to be alone. Rocky, the Denver Nuggets dancers, the whole Denver Nuggets organization is teaming up with us on this one, and it is going to be by far the biggest Stiffs night out that we have had um, in the history of Stiffs night out. So you guys want to get down there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Bring your kids, bring your friends, bring everybody. We're excited to see you. And shout out to Gil Whiteley. You're going to want to get there early because Gil Whiteley of Mile High Sports, he's throwing down the first 100 bucks for drinks. Like I said, there's going to be a bunch of people there, so that 100 bucks won't last long. So you're going to want to make sure you get there early, get a good spot, uh, get a chance to talk to Gil. I'll be there. Adam Mares will be there. Ashley Douglas, Daniel Lewis, Gordon Gross, all kinds of Denver Stiffs writers. And like I said, uh, the Denver Nuggets dancers, Rocky, everybody. So you got to get down there. It's going to be great. All right, now the business is officially done. Um, so let's get into our co-hosts. First, all the way out from sunny Los Angeles, California, it is Mr. Mike Olson. Mike, what's going on? Hey, hey, Zach. Um, I, I, I'm going to be missing $100 worth of free drinks is what it sounds like. I'm a little <laughs> bit right. bummed out about this. So. That's right. Yeah, Are you saying that you would have uh, gotten all $100 of free drinks? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I would have ordered you know, something that was under the $100 per drink range. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. I don't, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if Gil's going to shell out for the Dom Perignon, so you might, um, ah, you might not be able to get that. No, nobody said there were conditions on this. So. <laughs> That's fair. Hey, what, it's, it's, it's like anything on life. If you can sell somebody or if you can get somebody to buy it, uh, then, then it can happen. There you uh, go. As you, as you also heard chiming in this time, all the way from out from Philadelphia, we're going across the nation tonight. That is Mr. Jeremy Pulley. Jeremy, what's going on? Uh, yeah, same thing. Just feeling really bad about missing this. Up until about four months ago, I lived two blocks away from this place. Oh so I could have easily stumbled home that night. That would have been great. With, yes. with a good with a good hundred dollars worth of booze in your belly. So. <laughs> That's, right. Right. That's right. Jeremy would have made sure to get as much of that hundred dollars as he could. Oh, good stuff. So yeah, like as we said, you guys want to get down there. Jeremy and Michael, of course, you guys will be with us um, in spirit. Big big show, big show to, tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Friday night, so well, I say tonight. You guys will hear this tomorrow, Saturday during the day, but. Um, big show as always, cause like I said, we missed last week, so we haven't had a chance to get into quite a few topics. It's also a historic show. I believe this is the first time, at least since I've been hosting the pickaxe, um, that I am the youngest person on the show. That's, uh, wow. I wanted, I just, I just wanted to point that out real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Real thanks for sure. pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, also though, that's I, interesting. I, Jeremy says real mature. And I think, you know, suddenly I realized that, that in, in terms of age, I'm the oldest. And in terms of maturity, I'm the least old. And I think, I think those curves invert perfectly against one another. So it's <laughs> true. You're like a supply and demand curve. I really am sad. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're like way off track already. Um, Wait, is this about the nuggets? What are we doing? No, no, Marketing. no. I don't even think we've even mentioned like the Nuggets, other than the fact that we're doing a, a, a stiff night out with them. But, um, anyways, <laughs> I uh, no, I'm excited because you know, I, listen, I'm not a spring chicken either. I, I'm actually still one of the one of the older members of, of Denver Stiffs. So, um, yeah, we got a great show for you guys. We're gonna start out. We're gonna talk about how uh, '80s basketball was the greatest, and nothing can ever top it. After that, uh, does anybody we'll get... young say the word spring chicken? By the way, my God, it's <laughs> geez, you're making it worse, man. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've all right. Well, we let's just get into it. We're just, just going to never make this pull show this, happen. Pull this car out of the ditch, baby, and see where we go. <laughs> what we will actually get into is, of course, Gary Harris signs a big extension. That's official now. Um, and we wanted to talk about Gary and the extension. What we think about that. We'll wrap up the preseason. They played the last preseason game back on Tuesday. It was a loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and then finally, let's since we we're done with the preseason, let's get into the regular season. We'll talk some predictions, um, and then that'll be our show. So, without further ado, since we've adoed, if that's a word, um, adoed, we've we've adoed quite enough already. Um, <laughs> let's get into let's get into Gary Harris. Seventy-four million dollars guaranteed, eighty-four million dollars possible with incentives. Um, Jeremy, I'll go over to you first, man. What do you think of the dollar number on this extension? Is it just right? Is it too much? Is it a screaming good deal? What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think there's like a, a, a pessimistic or realistic way of looking at it, and then maybe an optimistic one. So let's start with uh, the worst side. Let's call it eighty-four million. Right. Um, actually, do do you want to go into it all? I know you kind of had some scoop on some of the more. The well, so details, okay, right? yeah. Or, so, so I'll just say, I mean, I haven't. Um, I don't think it's been officially announced. So I, I've heard some rumors about what those incentives are. Uh, and I'll just say that uh, if Gary Harris reaches those incentives, nobody's going to have any problems with him making eighty four million dollars. Okay. So cool. So so we'll still for the sake of. Talking numbers here, we're gonna go with the the full eighty four million, um, which comes out to um, what is that twenty one and twenty one? Yeah, yep. twenty one million a year, um, or a season. And so let's look at some of the the other shooting guards um, in that that area to kind of get a comparison of what we're talking about. Um, so for starters, um, towards the top, there's uh, there's Demar Derozan at twenty seven point seven. Um, and a lot of these guys all have very similar contracts, so it's it's pretty easy to to compare them. Right. Um, it's four years. Um, he he's got um, a player option in the fourth year. And then down from there, there's C.J. McCollum at twenty six point seven million a year, four years. Uh, Bradley Beal twenty six point three million a year, four years. Nicholas Batum twenty four point eight million. Four years player option in the fourth year, which obviously he's gonna he's, he's gonna probably, gonna probably save yeah, that. I feel, I feel like he'll cash in that <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, JJ Redick uh, is the curveball with one year, uh, right. twenty three million, uh, and then and then Victor Oladipo at twenty one million four years. Um, I, you know, come on, like I am way happier to have Gary Harris locked in for four years than several of these guys who are getting paid more than right. he is. Right. Um, so, so and, and this is taking the pessimistic view. So let's take the optimistic view, um, which would be $74 million guaranteed. And let's not forget that uh, he had a qualifying offer this year that he's going to be playing for rather than scrapping the qualifying offer and starting his new contract. This isn't a new contract. This is an extension. Right. Well, so. it's, uh, just one point, a little bit different. It's not quite the qualifying offer. It's a, the, the team option is basically what he's team. going for. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and just because so, I'll say just because Jeremy, I know somebody's going to be in the comments be like, wow, well, you know, it's not right. actually the qualifying. Right. So. <laughs> no. And I would have been no. embarrassed way more embarrassed than I am now to be corrected by a little kid. But, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> slam. <laughs> oh, uh, 
but no, so um, really, when you break the numbers out, $3.6 million next year is the last year of his contract here that he's playing for. Um, so in a lot of ways, it's we get him for five years for $77.6 million, which that comes to $15.52 million. Again, I'm, this is the optimistic view of it, but when we, when we look at that, I mean, the other shooting guards around that level, uh, you know, Wesley Matthews or Clay Thompson, okay, but Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Evan Fournier, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, you know, we're doing really well with this contract. Really, really happy about it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you break down the list like that, it, it certainly you can see that. I mean, if nothing else, right, it's definitely he's definitely not overpaid. You can you can say, hey, he's getting market value. And, and maybe if you really want to if you're you want to be pessimistic about it, you can maybe argue, well, you know, did the Nuggets really need to pay him market value? Uh, and, you know, they didn't use any of their leverage. Blah blah blah, but at the end of the day, I mean, to me, it's it's in a fair contract for Gary. Uh, so I'm with you. I'm 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 pretty much uh, on the optimistic side of it. Mike, what about you? I well, first off, I, I think Jeremy pretty well. Uh, that's that's how you lay out an argument, boys and girls. That, that was perfect. <laughs> um, that was dead on. Um, and and I think the only thing that I would throw into. Uh, my, my personal feelings on that. And I, and I do tend to be a little bit more of an optimist. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tip my hand there, but um, I, I think the other thing that plays so nicely into that list is, is where Gary sits in an age range compared to so many of these guys. Right. I mean, he's, he's, right. he's still so young. He's, he's really still coming up on, I mean, we got, we got three or four years of progress before this guy really hits his, his apogee. Right. And so I, I, it's just, it, it's, it's a ridiculously good deal for the Nuggets, um, in, in my opinion. Anyway, um, I, the, the kind of effort that Gary put in, and I, I wrote this this last week just to get himself to this point. Um, you know, this, this is a driven dude who plans on improving himself year over year over year. And, and at this young age, we're already seeing him as, as good as he is amongst, the guys that are out there in the league, I, I have a funny feeling um, we're going to be really excited about the fact that we only had to pay him 84 when he does make all of those conditions. So yeah, right. I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with both of you guys uh, on that. And you bring up a great point, Mike, about, about the age. Cause you're right. I mean, most everybody else on that list is at least a few years older, if not quite a bit older. Um, and, and Gary, man, I tell you what, man, this preseason, I know we're going to get into the preseason here, but uh, Gary has, because I, I think I was a little bit, you know, still skeptical. I, I, I wanted to really believe in it, but it was like, you know, man, he made such a big leap in year two and then he made another big year in leap three or <laughs> big. Leap I got you. In, yeah, put, put, the, right. put the drink down, but I totally get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so then you're trying to, I was trying to think like, well, I really want to believe it, but there was still that tiny part of me that was like, eh, is this for real? Is Gary, is he really this good? But then he's come out in this preseason, and there's an argument to be made that he's been the best player um, so far in the preseason, which, like I said, we're going to get into um, in a bit. So that, I think, that, and then with what, like I said, with the incentives, the rumors that I've heard about them being pretty, you know, they're going to be pretty substantial to, to reach, and that if he does, he's going to be playing really well. Um I just think I think it's a great deal, and then like I said, you and then when you look at those guys that Jeremy laid out, uh, most of them are all stars. So I'm going to go back to you on this, Mike. 
Do you think then now, is Gary Harris the type of guy who can be an all-star player? Do you see that in his future? I, um, well, again, we're, we're back to the optimist. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so, so first off, I know Gary's defensive rankings and, and Adam put some good numbers up about this the other day have, have not been ideal. And, and Gary's not at a height that he can cover everybody. He just doesn't have that length, but, but you know, a lot of still to me, a lot of what has contributed to Gary's negative defensive numbers are just a negative defense, right? And and I think I think he's got all of the skills to be absolutely um, a plus defender, especially if we can put in a scheme that that he can be that. Um, and and with his ability to to slash and score, and um, he just he's just one of those guys that is always where the play is going on. You know, he he really. He's got a great head for the game. I think he's got all of the tools and more than that, I think he's got the mindset to continue to make himself better until, yeah, I, I absolutely see him landing right in there, right about the time that the guys who are in those slots now are, are fading out. He, he just seems perfectly primed to, to be an all-star. Right, you know the interesting point you, that you said there is uh, about the mindset. Um, he was so he was on the radio on Altitude Nine Fifty just the other day. Now that the, when the contract became official and they got it actually signed, um, and they asked him, they said, "Well, what do you need to improve on?" And his very first thing that he mentioned was defense and that how he didn't have a great defensive year last year. So he definitely acknowledges it um, and, and and knows that it's something that he needs to work on. And like you said, with the work ethic that he has, I don't have any doubt. Uh, that he'll get there. Jeremy, what about you? Do you think Gary Harris has got all-star potential in him? Um, if, if I could real quick, I, I, I missed one point that I wanted to bring up about his contract. All that right. I thought was meaningful. Um, so uh, I talked quite a bit about the, um, the numbers behind it and compared them to the skill sets of the other players. But um, something that stuck out to me about this too um is and, and Mike brought brought up how his apogee is is yet to come, um, probably around maybe the time that this contract will be up. Seems but, about um, right. Is that so? He decided symbolically. I think this contract it means a lot to Denver because this guy just gave up, um, you know, free agency. Really? Right. Yep. He 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 just decided that Denver is where he wants to be. When's, um, when's, when's the last time that happened? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So in an off season where we uh, we sway an all star, Millsap is was in the all star game last year to our team as a free agent, and then we get a guy to who has an incredible future in front of him to just decide, you know what, I'm not going to listen to anybody else. This is where I want to be. I, I that I think symbolically this contract. Uh, means a whole lot to the team. So just wanted to point that out too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but so as to his future um, and, and what he can become, um, I, I kind of dug into this a little bit too. Um, so, I, you know, they've changed up the way the, the All-Star game works, um, but just a little bit where um, the, the, the players that are going to be there are still going to be voted in the same way, but now there's team captains who get to pick which team. You know, <laughs> right, I, I can't right. wait for the last pick guy to actually oh, like, start complaining right. for the drama to start from that. Yeah. But um, but you still get there the same way, which is you know, top the starters are voted in. Um, anyway, I uh, won't get into that. But um, so in the West, he still has to be one of the top guys in the West. Right. Um, you know, right, 
right now we're looking at Clay Thompson and James Harden. Um, they've both been in the game for the past, I don't know, three or four years. Um, and, and then from there, you know, who are some of these the top guys in the West? You got C.J. McCollum. Um, yeah. Well, now Jimmy Butler, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. And he was in the All-Star game for the East. So right. now he's coming in and buttoning in. But so, you know, it's kind of Gary Harris is not in this group, um, if we're going to be completely honest. But right. Like, the interesting thing is, um, Mike brought this up before, is Gary Harris's age. So he just turned 23, I don't even know, a, a month ago? Two yeah, months ago? Yeah, it was, it was recent. And uh, and these guys are all uh, James Harden, 28, Clay Thompson, 27, um, Jimmy Butler, 28. Uh, and so when these guys were making the All-Star game, was they busted in when they were about 23, 24, um, so you know when 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 Gary Harris is, say, f- let's go four years from now, uh, when he's twenty seven, these guys are going to be thirty two, thirty one. Yep. Um, I right. do think there's a chance there. I do think there's a chance. Um, you know who who's the next who's the next group? Who, what's the next generation? Because Gary Harris doesn't belong to their generation. Right. He, he's the next generation. So, um, who is well, that? Yeah, yeah I don't know. And let's, I mean, Booker? I, that's I think that's perfect. And 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 don't, I, yeah, I I don't know that there's anybody in that next round. And and you can't, you can't discount the fact that I also think that that's going to be about the time that the Nuggets are hitting their stride as far as how far they're making it, say, in right, the yeah, playoffs. So if this point. works as well, right? And and that's, and and I hate the fact that this is true, but it's absolutely true that that the guys who are making it into the All Star game are the guys who are making it into the postseason, right, and right. and getting seen nationally, right, and getting getting more of that type of um, exposure as well. And and so, you know, frankly, Gary's chances of making the All Star game are very dependent on whether or not he and you know Jokic continue this this really sweet thing that they're doing together as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I think, man, I think you're dead on. Uh, I, I, I really, Jeremy, you're, there's nobody else in that in that ring right now that I'd look at and say, yeah, that's that's somebody else I'd, that's I'd consider a, right. with Harris. Nobody would consider that's like a surefire all-star. I think you bring up a good point there with, um, you know, with Booker. I think if you're going to talk about, like, those next-gen guys, he's, in the West at least, he's probably the only one who, who's, who at this point you look at and you say, yeah, it's probably pretty likely. Um, just because he scores a ton of points and, you know, chicks dig points. So that's <laughs> that's how that'll work out. But, I mean, yeah, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, maybe like Buddy Heald um, could, could end up developing him into something like that. Um, yeah, maybe. there's Caldwell Pope, uh, right. Zach, Zach Levine out in the East, um, yeah, Norman Powell out in the East. Right. They could move teams. I don't know. Yeah. You think the yeah. first the first shooting guard taken in this draft was uh, Donovan Mitchell, um, which, which uh, is a polarizing topic for us uh, Nuggets people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. Um, but yeah, point being, I I think you're right. There's not a ton of guys in kind of in that next generation in that shooting guard spot um, right now. Now, obviously, something could always change, and some guy we're not even considering yet could uh, could come in, but. Right now, I think I think you guys are right. I think Gary's got as good as chance of of, of anybody. Uh, I want to wrap up this talk though on, on his contract with with something that I think a lot of people worry about, which is okay. So now you've paid, uh, you're paying Gary Harris somewhere between seventeen and a half 
and uh, or so 18 and a half and, or in 21 million. Uh, you just paid mm-hmm. Mason Plumley 14. You paid Paul Millsap 30. You're going to have to pay Nicole Jokic somewhere around 25 million. Um, suddenly those dollars start adding up. And for the, for the last few years, the Nuggets have been one of those teams who it's, you never had any cap worries. The only cap issues you worried about was them making the floor, or at least the only cap issues they worried about. I was never worried about it, but, um, now they're at a point where they're suddenly they actually have to be very conscious and smart about the deals that they make because they don't want to cap themselves out. Um, Jeremy, how concerned are you that the Nuggets are going to be a team that's because they're giving all these guys these deals, they're gonna they're gonna run into luxury tax issues or salary cap issues down the road? That is a really good question. They are they are really like threading the needle on this one if they do pull it off. Um, so I mean I I think um when I looked at it I think their their roster next season if if it stays the way that it is right now is going to be at um 109 million and right. um uh and you have to sign Jokic. Right. So um the the cap that the tricky thing is they they kind of have to you know project where the cap is going to be at next year but um we're you know Right now, it's at 130. Right now, I think the uh, luxury tax. Uh, I think that's about right. Yeah, that sounds about um, right. I don't have it right yeah. in front of me. I guess I should. So, I should be prepared for this conversation. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so if if we I give them, let's round up, um, 26 million to Jokic. Uh, that puts us at, um, you know, my math is terrible, but I believe that's 135 million. Right. So, um, yeah. somewhere in that range. So so it, it's 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 dancing with it, which it obviously these are Nuggets fans who are listening to this. You know that we steer clear; our team steers clear of luxury tax at all costs. Right. And, um, it's it's going to be very interesting how they deal with that. Obviously, there's going to be some roster moves. We are not going to go into next season with the exact roster that we have right now. But um, it's hard it's hard to throw a lot of money away. Uh, we don't have to throw a lot of money away, but um, there's going to have to be some some um, sidestepping here, and I'm sure from the top they're gonna they're gonna want to stay out of the luxury tax completely. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, the Nuggets have gone into the luxury tax that I can remember just once, um, which was the 2000, uh, 2007-2008 season uh, when they had Allen Iverson and Marcus Canby. Uh, and, and Carmelo Anthony were paying Kenya Martin were paying all those guys big money and yeah. uh and and I, the Cronkies really got burned on that one because they paid out all that money and they squeaked in to the playoffs. Granted, of course, the West was just as competitive back then as it is now, but they squeaked into the playoffs and they got swept by the Lakers in the first round. And so, oh. um, <laughs> ever since then, they've not been they've not been luxury tax payers. Mike, what about you? Are you worried that – so let me get – I guess to, to expand on that, are you worried that if, if the Nuggets start getting into this luxury tax situation that they might, you know, maybe a guy like a Wancho Hernan Gomez or a guy like a, a – probably not Jamal Murray, but maybe a guy like Jamal Murray, they end up letting go because they don't want to have to pay him. I – you know, um, I that is that is absolutely mathematically possible, right? I mean, we, we, we could find ourselves – having, you know, either made, um, you know, I I think the caveat Jeremy gave about, you know, just making smart decisions and threading the needle. I think, I think that's the key part, right? Is, is we could, we could make a couple of dumb decisions and find ourselves back in that spot. But one of the things that 
I've I've liked about what I've seen um, in a, in a couple of moves over the last few years is the the rare times that they feel like they make a misstep. It it seems like even even in those moments where they really okay we got to bite the bullet and and eat a little salary here on one front or another and things don't work out exactly the way they had hoped. Um, they still seem to try to push themselves in the direction of you know let's let's still bite that bullet and try to move forward and so i for me it feels like it this is the weirdest way to say this but i i'm not worried about getting up against the cap and luxury tax because of gary's signing only because i'm so excited about getting what everybody acknowledges as a key piece of the puzzle for a good deal right so right. if 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 it comes and if it happens it certainly wasn't necessarily because we 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 signed Gary. Um, I, I think it's I think it would be more of a you know do you do you regret the fact uh, you know I forgive me but because uh, I don't I don't like saying crappy things about guys on the team but you know if if a year and a half from now we're still trying to figure out do you think they'll ever get any minutes for Fareed then then that's when I go well crap you. Yeah, you you might have hung on to that salary a little too long, guys. So right. um, you know, but I, I I got a feeling just from the way things are starting to shape up that they're looking at how they're gonna move in that direction. And so I to me, by you know, even if it is that far down the road, bite the bullet and just and just have to eat that on Fareed and eat a little bit of that luxury tax, but God don't don't mortgage your future with a couple of the great names you just mentioned, right? And Hernan Gomez and Murray just to to make that happen. Right, yeah, and that's that's really I think the key is is it's uh, to steal a phrase from from John Elliott, the Broncos. You know, you want you don't want to just win now; you want to win from now on, which means you have to. And in the Nuggets' case, you're gonna have to do, um, as you pointed out, Mike, some some smart signings, some smart moves. Uh, you know, there's gonna be some guys that they are gonna have to let go. I mean, I don't think I don't think Jameer Nelson is is gonna be on this team after this season when his contract is up. Um, if Wilson Chandler opts out of his contract. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to resign him. I think that's a guy that that would want to be back, uh, and the Nuggets would would like to be back, especially because they're so thin at small forward. But um, you know, Wilson's gonna be thirty one years old, and and if he's gonna be looking probably to get that one last big contract, uh, that's probably not one you want to as the Nuggets want to entertain because then it could be you know you're looking at four more years of, of a salary somewhere maybe like I don't know the fifteen million dollar range. Um, and that oh, that's those, that's those that's tough. a great example, and that's a that's so far that's my least favorite example of of a decision you've got to make, and and I still I think you say it perfectly. We in in that case, um, great guy, been a great player for us on a lot of different fronts, but not somebody that not somebody that we've probably got room to put on for that last big deal, and that's that's the one that has stung the most of any of the examples I've thought through so far. Right, yeah, exactly, and, and and that's the thing though. It's I think it just comes down to it comes down to the age, right? Because you got to make that choice. Do I want to bring Wilson Chandler, uh, give him a contract that pays him through through thirty till he's thirty four, thirty five, or do I want to pay Juancho Hernan Gomez, who's good, you know, through a contract when he'll be you know twenty six, twenty seven right. when right. it expires? Um, so it, it's I'm with you guys. I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, and they're gonna have to make some tough decisions. But if they make the right decisions, uh, I'm not too worried about them capping themselves out. Because, listen, in three years, Paul Millsap, uh, his, his deal, which is by far the largest and will still be the largest even after they re-up Nikola Jokic, um, 
his his contract's going to come up, and at that point, you know, Millsap will be, I believe, thirty four. You know, then 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 you've got cap space again, and, and and you're probably not. I would imagine at that point, Millsap's not looking for much other than year to year kind of deal. So you maybe you can keep him on for cheap. Maybe you decide, all right, it's time for him to move on because now we're in this new place and we've got these new guys. But you'll have a chance again, so long as. You don't make any stupid signings there in the in the middle. So I'm with you guys. I'm not I'm not too concerned about it. Um, it is something to keep the, your eye on though, because it, and I think it's something that's going to really define Tim Connolly's tenure um, as a cap person. We know he's a great guy in the draft. Uh, we're not quite sure about his trades so much so far. They're kind of still. Yep incomplete but but we we don't really one thing we really don't know at all is, is cap because he's never had like i was pointing out before he's never really had to deal with it he's always been so low under the cap um that it's never been an issue do you do you think at all and and this is um i've, I've always wondered about this piece with Connolly because in the in the few chats i've gotten to have with him i find him to just be a really a really straightforward really bright guy who's just really into it i mean i i he he knows stuff uh, about basketball, and this is not saying much when it comes to me, but he knows stuff about basketball when we're talking, and I'm just like, I, oh, oh my God, uh, the depth of knowledge there, right? Um, right? Do you think that the fact that the drafts are great and the trades have not necessarily always tended to be is born out of the fact that I'm trying to think of a situation where Tim was in a trade where it wasn't just like, crazy obvious what he wanted and what he needed out of that trade and so it's such a crappy place to be bargaining from right and and in the draft you just you just get whoever you want to who's left right so he gets to make a smart decision of what's left on the table in a trade it seems like he always gets stuck in that spot that i i mean again back to this topic but i everybody knows that that it would be great for us to find a great deal for free right right so it's got to be a hell on wheels for him to try to make it because everybody knows what he wants. It's, it's, it's right there. Right. Yeah. Well, so no, I mean, you're right. And maybe that's why when it comes to trades and Connolly, we're being a little bit unfair there because um, whether it's this freed issue now where everybody kind of knows that obviously um, we would, the nuggets would like to move him. Uh, and again, I mean, no, nobody's saying this officially out of the nuggets, but um, if, if you can read, read the tea leaves, I guess it's fairly obvious. Uh, but also, like, you know, the Yusuf Nurkic situation, everybody knew that the Nuggets had to trade him. Um, and then give some c- credit to Connolly on the deals that have been on lower scale that kind of went under the radar. Uh, some of those worked out really well. I mean, he traded the Will Barton trade um, mm-hmm. was, was great a great one, right? Because yep, he got point. rid of Flalo and, and not much. People forget that he uh, he got Oklahoma City to give us two uh, to give us DJ Augustine and two second rounders for Randy Foy. So there, there have been some good deals that he's made uh, in the past. There's also like we, as we said, there's been some some not so good deals. Specifically, I think the one that every, everyone knows of is, is the Nurkic one. So that's why I say it's incomplete, um, incomplete there. Uh, before we move on, Jeremy, any since I we didn't even have Tim Connolly on the rundown, but uh, any any thoughts on that that conversation right there? Oops. Yeah, specifically about him trading. Or, or his character, um, I, I mean, I think Mike really nailed it. I think um, for anybody who, who you know, usually uh, general managers, presidents, they don't really get much of the limelight, and so we're just left uh, criticizing their actions. And I think Mike nailed um, what what how I see Tim from um, whatever maybe closer um, 
magnifying glass I've had um, with the stiffs. Uh, you, you nailed his character, which you you, you want to. He he's definitely like a a man's man, and right. you want to <laughs> respect that. Um, yeah. But Zach, we had this running thread the last time I was on. Um, look what happened to Ned Stark. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. that, that's a man's man. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, it it only maybe gets you so far, and then you have to learn some lessons. Um, then then Josh Cronky cuts your head off. <laughs> right. Exactly. I that's so, that's an interesting perspective. I had I had not considered uh, the fact that part of him getting stuck in those positions may be born out of the fact that he's he's a straight shooter and and we're an open book that that is a possibility it, it, it's hard to tell it's really hard to tell um you, you've got to be really close on the inside there to really know how these things go right but hmm. um from the outside you know hmm. i think it's fair to say you're judged by your actions the end result um you know zach brought up some good um some good trades that he's done um fortunately you you brought up you brought up the bad as well. You brought up Portland. It's important to look at that. Like I understand what he, I feel like I understand what he was doing. I even feel like I understand what he was doing in the draft when we did not have Paul Millsap in hand. There was no shaking hand deal. There was nothing there. And, and to feel that power forward position with the, the type of player that we want, even if we didn't get a great version of it, I, I understand him going trading for Lyles. He, he fits the mold, even if he isn't the, the best player at it. Um, I even see, you know, drafting um, um, Tyler Lydon. He kind of fits the mold, but but right. wasn't exactly what we wanted. Um, so I can see that, but I'm not going to defend that because at the end of the day, you have to be, you know, it goes back to like the Dan Marino versus uh, Joe Montana argument. Like Montana right. has all the rings. Marino has maybe all the stats, but he never accomplished anything. At the end of the day, I, to me, you give it to the to what they accomplish in the end. And so... Um, Tim Connolly's still in office. I think he should still be in office, um, but we'll 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 see uh, how things go. It's an exciting future in front of us, but that also means there's there's greater risk with the the greater reward ahead. Absolutely. Potential potential can be a dirty word real fast, right? So yeah, yeah it's, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Potentially, either wins your rings or gets you fired. One of the two. Uh, let's move into the next part, which is uh, the so. Contrary, and I'm gonna, I'll get into my own little aside here. Contrary, uh, Coach Malone. Go there. <laughs> Coach Malone is like, I, I tell you what, I've, I've been, this is now, this year will be the second year where I've really gone to a ton of games um, and, and been able to interview Coach a lot. Uh, after before and after games, and I what I've learned is like everything he says uh, in those pre and press game or post games, especially the pre game um, conference uh, press conferences. You take it all with a great assault. Like, I, I think he almost is, like, intentionally trolling on us sometimes because he always tells us this stuff, and then and then it actually doesn't happen. And then after in the postgame, he says, oh, no, you know, he's always got a reason for why. And I think because he doesn't want to tell us, yeah, actually, I was just totally bullshitting you guys. But um, so the thing about it was is, is he said he said on, on this last game that, you know, it wasn't a dress rehearsal necessarily, that they were still going to use their eight-game days of practice to figure out what they're going to do with the rotation uh, and the lineup, and, and and honestly, I I don't buy I don't buy a single thing of, piece of it because he did something different in that last preseason game that he hadn't done pretty much all preseason, and it was the exact same thing he said he wanted to do on media day, which is he ran 
a nine-man rotation. So he had mm-hmm. your starters, which were Jokic, Millsap, Chandler, um, Harrison Murray, and then he had the four guys off the bench, which were uh, Nelson, Barton, Wancho, and Plumlee. So he did not play Kenneth Freed. He did not play Trey Lyles. He, Freed got in in garbage time, but he didn't play those guys in the rotation. So my question, I'll go 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 over to you first on this one, Jeremy. Um, if he goes with that nine-man rotation that we saw on on Tuesday, which I think he will, I do. I don't believe him. I do believe that he was trying out his regular season rotation in that game. Um, how does he keep Kenneth Freed and Trey Lyles happy? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're making me feel a lot of pressure right now. There is not a lot of room here to uh, <laughs> to to come up with some sort of potion to to make this work. Um, you know, winning. There you go. Right? Hopefully, bar- garbage time comes in in uh, the third quarter. And Fareed's able to get out there, or Lyles is able to get out there, because, yeah, I, I remember that um, we, uh, we were kind of talking about that after media day when when he dropped that whole nine-man rotation thing there. Um, it, to me, it seems more like a ten-man rotation, and even that's being conservative. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Mike's talked about uh, – the idea of kind of win now or, or is it about the future? And, and a lot of that has to play here. Um, Lyles to me is, is a guy I'm really curious about Um, a lot of question marks there, but a, a a high ceiling to discover here. Um, He is the guy who I feel like could be, is in the mold of a Paul Millsap, which I'm, I'm not going to say there's ever going to be another Paul Millsap again, but somebody who even looks like him, once Paul Millsap is 35, you know, um, once his contract is done, um, I'm really curious to see if Lyles could be a, a starter for us. But if he's not even gaining any time at all because we're running a tight nine-man rotation, then then so be it. I I, I, I don't think we're going to be running with a nine-man rotation. Um, maybe, maybe come end of the season when we're really getting to our playoff form, going into the playoffs, yes, and I agree with that completely. But um, – yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard with Fareed and Lyles. I see Fareed getting some time, but but probably not Lyles just just because of the whole we're trying to possibly trade Fareed, keep him happy. Right. We don't know. I even think he's good. Like, I, oh yeah, he he when he came back from his injury, I, I remember getting Uber rides with people talking to the the Uber driver and him being like, "Yeah, Fareed's back and he's terrible and like we gotta get rid of him." And he was one of the most effective players with Jokic last season. Wasn't he the the best two-man? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, between Jokic and Fareed, that was the best rotation we had. So I'm not mad about him gaining minutes. Like, yes, that brings up some big defensive um, dilemmas. But, hey, we're the Nuggets, you know? Defensive dilemmas, uh, we stack those. <laughs> that's that's so, right, in our, that's in, right in our wheelhouse, right? Has been, <laughs> has been since the 1980s. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, you know, I I, I think I, I I tend to agree in a sense that I think he's gonna find spots more so I think for Fareed than Lyles. He's gonna find spots where it's gonna make sense to bring him in because Fareed is a guy you can bring him in, um, uh, and, and his energy will be infectious and, and he will um and he will kind of get the whole team going. And I think so when the the Nuggets get a little bit slow and seem sluggish and don't really want to run and don't really want to crash the boards. 
you could see him put in Fareed in those situations to try and jumpstart the team. And give credit to Kenneth Fareed because – and Coach, Coach even mentioned this um, on Tuesday night. But give Kenneth Fareed credit. He's not the type of guy, and he's a veteran player now. He's not the type of veteran who is going to get upset – uh, because he's on the bench and then not want to come in and play when when his number right. is called. You know he's going to go Good out point. there and he's going to give it his all no matter what. Um, so that's it. It sucks because he, because as you said, Fareed's good. He's a good player, um, and 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 he deserves to get more minutes than just be a spot guy in situations coming off the bench uh, without being really a regular rotation player. Uh, but it's a nice weapon to have if you've got it. Um, Trey Lyles, I think, is more of a kind of a, a long-term project. The thing that worries me about Lyles uh, is that this is it's like the exact same situation he just got out of in Utah, right? And that, and that's what everybody was saying was like, oh, you know, he really regressed his sophomore year, but that's because you know the the Jazz brought in guys like Boris Diaw, um, and they they put Joe Ingles a lot more at power forward, uh, and, and therefore there wasn't any time for for Lyles, and then he got you know he got kind of down in the dumps about it because he was buried in this rotation. Uh, not Now he comes to Denver thinking it's going to be a fresh start, and it's the exact same thing. Like, I, I if he was like, man, I'm sick of this, I, I would get that. I could understand where he's coming from. Um, Mike, what about you? How how concerned about you are, are you about those two guys getting upset if they're on the outside looking in on the rotation? I I mean, yeah, I – this was this was my favorite thing that you you wrote up in the in the questions as I was going through them, Zach. Just from the perspective of I, this felt like the the easiest from my perspective. Um, when when you when you said how can he possibly keep those two guys happy um, if they're on the outside looking in, he he can't. I mean, not really. Right. They right. they can be good guys about it, but he certainly he can't keep them happy about that. And and frankly. Um, whatever of those things. And, and, and sadly, all of those things are true, right? They want to see what Lyles has and they want to get Farid on the floor either to energize us or to showcase him or, or for whatever reason. And so um, I, I think that the sadder uh, story is probably going to be an, end up being the one that's true that, that, that you're both um, laughing about. And I, I totally agree. I, I don't think it is a nine man rotation. I think um, it, it's possible that that's the direction he tries to go, um, but you know they've they've still got some things to to figure out just on the starters. As as good a guy a set of guys as I'm excited about with the starters, those guys have some stuff to work out. He's going to need to keep tweaking things at least in the near term because they're they're starting off from an easy spot. They they need to make hay, and so they better they better figure it out quick because they want to they want to be winning and and feasting when they can. You know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually been a number of guys who've talked about that too, about how they have to get off to a good start here um, because they don't want to. They don't want to do kind of what they did last year, which was get a little bit behind, um, and then at the end not be able to. Um, then once or once they get ahead in the midseason, at the end they fall off because they didn't get enough of those wins back in the beginning of the year. Uh, quite a few guys have actually mentioned that. All right, I want to move to the last part of this, of the preseason, and then we will get on to a break uh, and then come back for the final part of the show. But, Mike, if you're going to pick one guy, and I'm going to limit you to one guy, who are you most impressed with this preseason? Um, uh, there were there were a few names on this list, but um, I, I, I geeked out the most about 
uh, what I saw from Wancho in the preseason. Yes. I'm, I did not expect that just yet. Um, <laughs> this, this is cool. Let's let's see what happens there. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean Wancho. The the nice thing about Wancho is he. I mean. We've, we've all known he can shoot, man. We've all seen it a, a, a ton of times. The guy's got the most perfect shooting form probably of anybody on the team. Um, it's nice to see him, though, and I think I think him playing in Eurobasket really helped. I think that gave him a boost of confidence when yeah. he re- recognized, hey, I actually can play with these guys. Um, exactly. Granted, Eurobasket's not quite the NBA, but the Spanish national team uh, could probably be a playoff team in the NBA. So uh, <laughs> I think that was a huge part for him to get to get that boost of confidence, and now it's rolling right into the preseason. Um, and, 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 he, and he looks like he belongs. Uh, he's definitely real high on my list. I would probably say, as I mentioned kind of earlier in the show, uh, probably for me, Gary Harris, just the fact that he, I think he's been the best player in preseason um, of, of all the Nuggets players, and, and he looks like he's just picked up right where he left off, um, except for, you know, obviously he worked in the offseason, and he's, he's even better. Everything's a little bit sharper. Um, he's... <laughs> He's just showing. He's so much. He's so versatile. He works so well with Jokic, and and he's just. I don't know. He seems to be taking more of a, just taking more more assertive when he's got the ball in his hands, uh, making the right reads almost all the time now. And and, and he, like everybody, he's we can see that effort he's putting in on defense. And, and and I don't know that I ever thought, as we were talking about before, whether or not he could be an All Star. I don't know uh, if you'd ask me that question last season at the end of last season if my answer would have been yes but after just watching him this preseason and watching how it's like man is Gary gonna Gary really could do it again and take another leap in his fourth season um it's impressive and so I for me it it would be Gary Harris is the guy I'm most impressed with uh what about you Jeremy uh yeah just um since Wancho was brought up I do want to say um I was really happy with this preseason with seeing him um, attack the basket like like he didn't before, and and I do think that's from Euroleague like you saw. Um, I actually didn't see as much of that in Euroleague as I expected to, yeah. um, but he like actually this last game more than ever, and maybe it was because you know I don't know this is interesting. We saw in Euroleague him be more passionate than we've ever seen before, um, right. which which can be obvious, and it's great to see that. Um, but that Oklahoma City game, man, <laughs> everybody was passionate, and maybe that's what it took, because because he was attacking the basket in that game. Right. Yeah. And, and before this is a guy who, when he gets the ball, you know, he's either gonna pass it or shoot it. Like that was his role. Right. Um. And, and, and so I was just really happy to see him do more than just pass it or shoot it. Um. So I I, I was happy with that. But um. You you said we can only. Say name one guy that we we're most you impressed can, you with. You can only so, name one. That's right. All right. So let me say who I wasn't most impressed with was Paul Millsap. <laughs> he did really well. I'm really happy. Um, <laughs> it can get scary when you get a guy on your team who's new. Um, he did a great job. I think he's going to be exactly what we thought he would be. But the most I was impressed with was <laughs> look at Jerry um, just sneaking in and breaking yeah, the rules. Just padding right this crap, man. It's <laughs> just... <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. It's the whole preseason. There's a whole five games. Um, what Mason Plumley, man? That's another good one. I, to, from his contract, it was like, you know, we had that dip after the draft where everybody's spirits were shattered, and and that Mason Plumley contract was like a mini dip, a mini version of that. Yeah, and right. to see hmm. the the way he has played this preseason, oh my goodness, I am so. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely flipped on how I was feeling after he signed his contract. 
Um, I I didn't I thought he was even decent, and, and I and I liked his role on our team um, when he got his contract, even and and I was down by how it seemed like it was a bad deal, but right. he played so well this preseason. I am thrilled to have him on our team. Thrilled to see how he's able to keep the the game going when he's in. So, um, uh, yeah, cool to see that we all kind of had different takes there. But Mason yeah. Plumlee was the one that I was most impressed with. Okay, no, yeah, I gotta, I, uh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, uh, I was going to say, I, this is this is a this is a tangent, and and I always take them, so forgive me. But I do have to say I that I, I see I see a couple of guys over the course of their careers eventually regressing to what I see as a mean. And, and I will just say that I don't think over the long haul that we're going to look nearly as regretfully at the uh, Nurkic Plumley trade as we did at the end of this last season. You know, I, I, I hope think so, man. I, I, I think I think we're going to see more more meltdowns on one side. And, and I think Plumley Plumley showed different numbers than than a lot of what he was able to do last season as he was trying to integrate. So I, I think right. it's coming. Yeah, you are massaging my spirit right now. Man. <laughs> slow, deep massage into my spirit right now. That's, if, if you use the word happy ending, I am leaving say, this conversation no, say, right this, now. Yes, it's, um, this this so, podcast is taking a different turn here, and I'm not yeah, sure where it's they going. Always, they always do. Uh, Sorry. So I'm just going to say I agree. I agree with Mason Plumlee, I think, and I think a lot of that is just his, his integration with the team. I think he um, he's comfortable. I think he, he, he talked, uh, you know, when he re-upped, he wrote that letter the city of denver and he talked about uh how he was always living out of a hotel he's got a place now um i think he's he's settled and that that could be a lot can do a lot for a person in any walk of life um and i don't think basketball is any different so that's that's all i'm gonna say with that so we don't get into any sort of um issues with making this a no longer family rated show i don't want to have to put down it's a mature rating uh, when yeah. I post this yeah, thing probably so, for the best <laughs> Tell you anyway. what we will do. We will go ahead. We'll take a break, um, and then we get back from our break. We will talk about the regular season. We'll make some regular season predictions because the next time the pickaxe will be on, we will be um, we will be already starting the season. So we're gonna go ahead and take a break, and then we will be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work.
everybody, Zach from Denver Stiffs here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado, and that's Porter Laurie. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlaurie.format.com, that's P-O-R-T-E-R-L-O-R-I dot format dot com give them a listen I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in but I can't escape my can't escape my skin Back to the Gags Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh. Uh, we're here with Mike Olson and Jeremy Poli. Um, we spent the first first good long segment of the show talking about uh, uh, Gary Harris. We got into wrapping up the preseason. Mike got us off on at least a ten minute long tangent about Tim Connolly, um, and now and now we're here to wrap up the show. Easy twelve, easy twelve, right? Why not make it a baker's dozen? Um, so now we're 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 down to the um, we're down to the final segment of the show. We're going to get through this thing, and that is I want to talk about the 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 regular season. I figure we, the next time the picks at pick uh, the next time the pickaxe is on, we will be uh, we will have already started the season. So it's as good as time as any to get into some season predictions. Um, Jeremy, let's go to you first. Let's 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 do the big one. Uh, season wins and prediction on where the Nuggets end up in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I I think um, I have them at forty six wins. Um, earlier when when we dropped the um, well when the schedule was dropped, we didn't actually drop it. Um, uh, <laughs> Rick combed through it with a fine tooth comb. You know, came at forty six wins, um, which. Um, when compared to kind of the predictions of the other teams, um, looks like it has them at about the sixth spot, which, um, lined up pretty well too. When I do the eye test too, and just kind of look at the teams in the Western conference, um, you know, you've got golden state warriors in the top tier there. Um, from there, I think I see a tier of, um, the rockets, the spurs, the thunder, and and I'm throwing the Timberwolves in there these days. I don't know whether that's a hot take or not, no. but um, <laughs> and then I have the Nuggets at the top of that, um, unfortunately, fat wide tier below it, full of great teams, full of Jazz, Trailblazers, Clippers. You know, if the Pelicans get it together, Grizzlies still competitive. Um, a lot of teams in there that really could go any way, but I, I see the Nuggets at the very top of it, and and that would put them at six. So whether I was looking at, at specifically the wins or looking at just how they size up, I think against other teams, I had them in that sixth slot. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I think, and you know, I think that's where, uh, where a lot of people have them. Um, I think, I think that's in exactly kind of how you have it laid out. I think they, they see those, those top, certainly the top four, the, the Warriors, uh, Rockets, Spurs and Thunder. Um, I think there's some people who who might doubt the Timberwolves just because they're going to have to make a huge leap in terms of wins. Now, granted, they've done a lot uh, to the roster to make that possible, 
But and then I think after that, most people would say, "Hey, the Nuggets should be right there competing for that next next spot. Maybe even competing with the Timberwolves uh, for the number five spot." I tend to be right. on the little bit more pessimistic side, though. I I don't know when I when I run through the schedule, I see them coming down to about forty four wins, um, and, and to me that puts them right about the eight seed, maybe the seven seed, depending on how how all those other teams uh, you were talking about shake out. That being said, I mean, I see I see a, a chance where they could be very, very good as well. It's just the Western Conference is so stacked. The the Northwest Division is so stacked. And the, that's a lot of games that the Nuggets have to play against those teams. It's I think they're going to get a little bit just beaten up um, by the talent that's out there. Mike, what about you? Where do you have the Nuggets finishing or ending up the season record-wise and playoff seeding-wise? You know, I'm I'm excited that I am not the most optimistic person in the group for once. Um, that 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 that's meaningful to me. Um, oh, I I actually I tried to do a pretty similar just you know look at both who's who's in the conference and and where I saw them shaking out against you know most of the games during the season and and um, I I also tried to do as best I could kind of figuring where I see them right now and where I hope to see them at the end of the season. Um, because, you know, we were talking earlier about the, the team needing to come out of the gates hot. And, and I, frankly, I'm not sure that I believe that happens. Um, I think they've got a few things still to figure out and I, I don't know that they come out as hot as we want them to. And, and I think Nuggets nation has a little bit of a meltdown over all of that. And, and fortunately, I think that turns around during the season. I think when these guys do figure everything out, they're going to be, they're going to be trouble, man. We're going to, when, when we finally put it all together, I think we're going to be really good this year. I think we kind of scream back into the seventh slot around 45 ish wins is what I, what I'm thinking. And, and beyond that, I think we look at a two seed that we either, you know, maybe end up shocking the world on or uh, scaring the, the crud out of one of the two. So we'll see. Great. Yeah, that's man. I, the, the the this is the bitter old man version of Michael. Right here. He's <laughs> coming out and saying forty five wins, maybe. A Get out of my yard! Exactly. Yeah. Get out of my yard. Quit playing your rap music. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> no kids. No, I think electronics. <laughs> uh, it's funny because we've had a lot of trouble with electronics tonight at least i have yeah. um but uh no i, I so it kind of sounds like we're all right there in that that same range though where it, it seems like okay mid mid 40s in terms of wins um somewhere between that six to eight seed um which is a nice step i think for the nuggets because they, they it's and it's the natural progression of things right they they were terrible with brian shaw mike malone got here he pretty much spent the whole whole first season uh changing the culture of the team then he spent um he spent his second season getting figuring out who his star player was uh and now he's going into his third season and he's trying to get back into the playoffs as a low Mm -hmm. seed that that seems exactly how things need to go uh for the team so i I think we're all pretty much right there with that um with that prediction and and and, and honestly like i said it, it seems where most people are um, our ad as well. Now, there's, there's, there's certainly a chance the Nuggets could surprise us. Like I said, they could end up being, um, everything could go right. Uh, they could end up being a 51 team. I could, I could see that as well, though I think it's it's far less likely. Um, okay, let's move on to the next thing, uh, the next prediction, which is which player do you think will break out this season? Um, I'm going to go first because I want to take the easy one, which is Jamal Murray. Uh, I think he, he almost has to be the guy who breaks out this season is simply for the fact um, 
that that he's gonna get the minutes. He's got a full clean bill of bill. He's got a clean bill of health. Um, and and he's got the talent. We know he's got the talent. It's all at this point to me. It's all about consistency. Um, and though we haven't, like I mentioned in the first half of the show, we haven't necessarily seen that so far from Jamal. Uh, there, there's still reason to believe that we will, especially, and it's something you see quite often with guys as they get into their second year. That's one of the times you see some of the biggest leaps because it's no longer about just trying to figure out how to do your day-to-day business in the league like you're doing your rookie season. Now you know how to do that and you can just really go out and focus on playing basketball. So that will be who I think is going to have have the breakout year. Mike, who would you say? Um, I, you know, I talked about him earlier. I, I think especially with what I've seen in the preseason, I think, I think Wancho's coming on this year and I think, yep. um, there's going to be some interesting articles about Wancho, you know, two and three months into the season. And it's not just because he, I mean, you know, his shooting is hotter and he definitely, he's finding his stroke. He's getting his confidence there, but he's doing so many things the right way right now. He's, he's already in his second season doing a lot of things with, you know, um, staying in front of his man and, and being in the right spot under the boards and, and making the right play and, and things like that, that he's, he's going to have a good season. I'm really looking forward to what comes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, Wancho would be, would probably be the second guy I would choose um, just because one, he's another guy who's like I said, coming off that rookie year. Um, so he should, should be making a big leap. And like we talked about in the, in the earlier segment, you know, he, he is another guy who's just shown, uh, shown a lot of great stuff there in the preseason. So I, I think that's a good pick too. And it, listen, we, um, there's nothing to say that both of them can't break out, right? There's nothing to say that both guys can't end up having oh, big seasons. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, Jeremy, what about you? Who's, who's your breakout player for this year? It's kind of hard for me to um, – I, I don't really see actually any player on our roster having what I would necessarily call a breakout season. Um, I, I, I oh, do man, think we're going to – with the old man. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting old. Um, wow. I, I, I do see Murray but getting better. But they still get 46 wins. You're, you're confusing me. It's, it's, <laughs> well, I, I, it's not like it's going to be Jokic's breakout season. Like, he's 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 busted through. He's, he's there. So, yeah, he and, yeah, and Millsap, are we gonna, it's not going to be his breakout season. And they're definitely the anchor of our success. So, um, yeah, I mean. they really are. That's totally fair. So, it, it, you know, I, I, um, Gary Harris, Zach, I do think he, I, I hope to see improvement even from him this year. Um, Murray, I, I hope, I think we'll see improvement from him too. Just watching him this preseason, um, you know, a lot's coming to question about the sports hernia. Like, you know, oh, he had a, a decent season last year as a rookie. And that was, turns out that was with a sports hernia. So could it be like, like could those be these huge chains on him and he's going to bust free and, 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 and I I haven't necessarily seen that this this preseason. I'm not sure uh, how much I buy into the sports hernia having this huge limiting effect onto him. Um, I think by the end of the season we'll see definitely a markedly improved player. Um, so maybe that maybe that does qualify. But I don't see him busting out on the scene here. Um, one one name I want to drop in there who I think is kind of getting lost in the fray is Wilson Chandler. Uh, I, the, the guy, yeah. 
to, to me, he's, he's been one of these volume shooters. I even got into an argument with some friends a while back and did way too much research. And <laughs> when, when the guy throws a lot of balls up, he, he, his shooting percentage is, is definitely quite a bit higher. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me anymore, but the guy loves getting on these streaks of throwing the ball up. And that worked definitely more so in the second unit when he kind of could be the guy to just take over when he wanted to. But um, because he's going to be in the starting lineup with a lot of um, guys taking attention, I, I, I do think that, okay, if he's healthy, I think we could see actually um, a lot of, let, let's call it the, um, what is it, the greedy stats or the, the showy stats coming out of the guy. Um, I, I think we could see a lot out of Wilson Chandler this mm. season. That's um that's a really good point because you you know when you think about who's going to have the breakout season you, you tend to just stray to the young guys um because the, the older guys are obviously fairly established but Wilson uh, I mean I'm trying to think I don't I don't think Wilson has ever been a starter a day one starter um whether it was with the Nuggets or the Knicks so this is like totally a new role for him something a totally new opportunity for him and granted there were times where he's got big minutes in the past coming off the bench. Um, but never with a lot of consistency, which is what you would expect he'll get now as a, as a starting role. So that's really a good point. Um, and, and also, like you bring up, I mean, you know, offenses are going to be focused on Millsap, um, on Jokic, and probably even to an extent Gary Harris and maybe even Jamal Murray. Wilson is probably the guy when they look at in that lineup that they might be like, oh, well, you know, that's the guy. We're, we, if we're he's someone's going to beat us, we'll let we'll be happy to let it be him. Um, so yeah, I think there there's a quite a bit of opportunity for them uh, for him there as well. That's a, that's a really good good one. I like that one. Um, I do too. Right, I wouldn't uh, look at look at Jeremy coming coming with off the wall stuff. Even even if though you really <laughs> said nobody's going to break out, but uh, he's, he's a creative. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's why we put him in charge of social media. Um, <laughs> all Curveballs. Right, Curveballs. Let's uh, let's get to the very final, very final segment of this podcast, which is the uh, or the, talking about predictions here. Let's go pessimistic one. Um, Jeremy, I'll throw it back to you. If the Nuggets start off slow, so I'm saying, let's say the Nuggets start off, you know, like like seven and thirteen, or maybe they're they're up to like they're like fourteen and twenty one, um, right around the halfway point of the or is they're getting towards that halfway point of the season. What what do you think happens in that scenario? What kind of changes are they going to make um, to try and get the ship back on track? So they, they've got, I, I believe, the easiest schedule the first two months. Is that something that right. I came across? Yeah. Um, yep. yep. So it's really saying a lot. It's it, Mike's take earlier was really interesting to me. If If they're starting slow during the easiest portion of their schedule – it, it, a lot of alarms are going to go off. Um, I, I, I just, I don't even want to predict it. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to try and conceive what kind of an uphill battle we would have to become the nuggets that we thought we were going to become this season. But um, my knee jerk reaction was that um, I could, was that I could even see um, Malone being, being fired halfway through the season. Um Right. That he, he he's not exactly in in a uh, a good place right now, and so I just thought I, something like that could come. But um, I I don't I don't think it's been brought up tonight. Maybe it, it was some other discussions that we've had before. But um, there does seem to be this um, mutual fondness between Tim Connolly 
um, and Coach Malone, um, yeah. they do they do have an admiration for each other that is that is pretty strong. And I was looking at their coaching roster, and all of these assistant coaches, like every one of them, is just they're all Michael Malone's boys. Um, right. There's there's nobody who's been this solid guy who's been there for a while. We've pretty much lost. Honestly, I don't even really know most of these guys other than the new ones who we've you know done some research on to to throw up um press releases or whatever you know bob weiss and david adelman um but all all these other guys are (laughs) been here for two years been here for two years been here for two years they're all malone's boys and so what happens when we get rid of malone halfway through the season do we really expect anything out of it um i i don't know um so so I even wonder if we do lose Malone at that point. Um, I, I I actually don't think we will. Um, from looking at, I yeah. I'm not sure what changes are are going to happen if if we're not winning. I, I don't see major changes happening, honestly. I made this so I made this comparison uh, the other day when we were all we were all kind of talking uh, about kind of about the subject and what might happen. Um, and, and I think because I, I tend to go to the same place, I think uh, the first place that they might look. Um, to would be the coach. I agree that I think I think him and Tim Connolly get along really well, um, and so I think that's going to make it'd make it a tough decision for Tim. It would also be the second coach that Tim would have had hired and then fired, um, which which starts to make the line uh, or or the ice very thin uh, for him as well because you can only you can only go through so many coaches before eventually the the eyes start looking at you. Um, that being said, though, I I think. It's it's very similar to me to what we saw back in two thousand four. Um, now now I'm showing you how old I am. Um, when when Jeff Budzdelic was the coach of the Nuggets, uh, he he of course was there when the Nuggets had the two thousand two season and they were awful. Uh, they tied with the Cavaliers for the worst record. The uh, NBA fixed the lottery as they always do to make sure that LeBron James went to Cleveland, um, and we got Carmelo Anthony. So, and then right out of the gate, Carmelo, his rookie year, takes the Nuggets to the playoffs as, as an eight seed, and they, they, got, they got just completely trounced by the, by the Timberwolves. Um, who, <laughs> that's, that's how long ago this is that I'm throwing this back to, the Timberwolves were the number one seed. Um, but, uh, so, what, uh, and then what happened the next season, they got off to a slow start, um, and, and Buzz Delic ended up getting fired. Uh, it's similar situation. Granted, the Nuggets didn't make the playoffs last year, but they were so close. Um, so it's a very similar situation to where you've got you've got this team who who's been building. You've been building this talent, uh, and then and then you get to this point where it's like, okay, we should be a playoff team. There's no there should be no mm-hmm. argument about that. Um, if you get off to a slow start and it makes like you're not gonna it looks like you're not gonna make the playoffs. Then they, they it could be the same thing as what happens with the Bazdelic. They make a change. The difference uh, that I see um, is is they they obviously got rid of Jeff and, and they they brought in I think Michael Cooper was like the interim coach for a couple weeks um, and then they brought in George Carl and, and he went on this crazy run um, and they ended up making the playoffs once again. The difference is I don't know if there is a guy out there a coach right. out there that you could hire of George Carl's caliber, right? I don't. I mean, I mean, there's obviously George can be somewhat of a polarizing subject uh, for Nuggets fans, but by all by all measures, he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, um, and he's one of the winningest coaches of all time. 
there's there's not that guy out there. I mean, I, I think maybe like you could get like a Jeff Van Gundy, um, if you're talking about like a veteran kind of coach guy, he'd be the one, the only one that really comes to mind. But man, he's been out of the game um, for a long time. It's also what would be interesting is I don't know who the interim coach would be uh, while they, while if they were going through that that transition period. Would it be Wes Unseld, the lead lead assistant, who's never been a head coach, or would they maybe go to Bob Weiss because he's He's the long in the tooth guy who probably would be a little bit more equipped to handle something like that. He's done it before. Um, it's crazy to think, I but know. I think you're right. Yeah, right. It's um, it's it, it's a really interesting topic though to consider. And I think I tend to think if they start off bad, what they'll try and do is they'll is the coach will obviously try and tweak the lineup and see if he can come up with something, some sort of changes. Maybe he puts Farid in. Uh, maybe he switches up with the point guard situation. Uh, something like that. Mike, what about you? What, what do you think is going to happen if the Nuggets get off to a slow start? You know, I it as, as crazy as it sounds, um, because I do think they're going to get off to a slow start. I my my fondest hope, um, and and I uh, this will probably create some some screaming from somebody on the on the boards anyway. Is is nothing. I hope I hope they just stick it out a little bit. There, you know, there's a few there's a few wrinkles to be ironed out. There's a few things to figure out, but but still at least what they've committed to trying to do this season makes a lot of sense if they just give themselves the time to figure out how to do it. And, and so, um, you know, I, I hope that they don't take any immediate knee jerk reactions out of all of this. If, if they don't, you know, really just kill the first two months, I think, I think they'll at least come out of it decently just because they've got a pretty easy schedule, but I, I, I hope that they, be a little patient, stay the course, um, you know, maybe, maybe luckily, you know, getting some wins out of an easy couple months, build some confidence and momentum and, and take some of the pressure off of just trying to work any early kinks out. So. Right. And, and, you know, I think that there's also a case to be made that they might do that because on media day, they, they specifically, you know, when they're asked, the media, of course, asks, what's the goal for this season? They specifically noted that they weren't basically going to say, make the playoffs they they said they want to improve and where wherever as long as we improve wherever they get this that's fine i took that we were talking earlier how you kind of take everything with a grain of salt especially what coach says in, in the pregames but also i mean listen these guys are all all very savvy about about the media i i took that as them basically being like we don't want to say the goals the playoffs because if we get off to a slow start we don't want that narrative um to start happening yeah right out of the gate. And, and like we said, Tim Connolly and Mike Malone seem to have a very good relationship, so it might be tough there. As far as, though, doing something drastic or maybe doing something, overreacting a little bit, what I'm not necessarily as sure about is that you won't get that all the way from the top um, with Josh Kroenke. I mean, because George Carl made it very clear. It was Josh Kroenke who fired him um, after he had just had the greatest regular season uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in Nuggets history. So he is right. prone, I think Josh is prone, to, has shown us that he is prone to make some fairly, um, I mean, I don't want to say rash, but maybe some some somewhat controversial decisions uh, <laughs> if he feels yeah. like the team's not going to win. So well, that's true, true, right? So so if that's the case, um, I could see him doing. I could see him doing it because I think he wants to make the playoffs really, really, really badly, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I. Th- think he's not he's gonna do it wouldn't surprise me if he's gonna do something uh before before it gets too out of hand if, if things start going bad 
early well, on. You, you got to imagine his his bottom line wants to make the playoffs very, very, very <laughs> badly, right? I mean, there's this all of this noise about the last you know two three years about you know literally a lack of noise and a lack of crowds and, and a lack of attention not just in the stadiums but you know on online you know we're we're a part of a community here where we're it's it's very clear that there's not there's not as many bodies um focused on on the nuggets in so many of these spaces right and that and and at the end of the day that's dollars and cents to josh Kroenke and and more than anything that's that's what he's got to change so yeah he he might make a step if if that's the path that he's headed down Right, absolutely, and and that's exactly kind of what I was getting at. Is it's a, um, I think he, his desire to make the playoffs is one hundred percent. Not not to say that he's he's just like some some Scrooge uh, sitting there counting up his his coppers or anything, but um, I think you know as a businessman he recognizes these issues and recognizes hey probably the best way to get interest in this team is to win um, and get him into the playoffs. Plus, there's a nice business thing is is players are free in the playoffs; their contracts don't. Um, are, are paid out over the course of the regular season. They don't take into account uh, making the playoffs um, or playing in playoff games. So that's that's just pure revenue with with your largest expense not uh, not coming out of the pockets there. So it's it's a good chance to to really build those profits. Um, so that's that's uh, we're like we're on the same page there. I guess is that that that's what I think would motivate it from from Josh's end. Agreed. Um, all right, so I tell you what, that's um, this is, this one's been a bit a bit of a longer one, um, but that's okay. It's uh, it's always fun to, to get get down and, and talk some nuggets, we're, and we got a lot going on. I mean, the season we're starting a new season. Days. It, it right. should be a long one. Right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Season starting. We got stuff to talk about. This is really just Mike uh, trying to you know lay down some excuses for why he put us on that Tim Connolly tangent that that made us go over. <laughs> I love you, Tim. I love you, Tim. Buy me a beer, Tim. All right, so um, Mike is at Visible Mike. Is, there's no underscores or anything there, right? There, there are not. Just, just Visible Mike, all just one word. At Visible Mike, um, Jeremy is at Jeremy Pulley again. No underscores, right? Yep. All right, yeah. Which, um, and then I am, of course, at Zach Mikosh. No underscores. Very easy for you guys to remember. Uh, so make sure you're going out there. Give us all a follow. Like I said, follow us. Um, at Denver Stiffs, follow on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Make sure to check us out on Facebook. Give us a like, give us a follow. Jeremy will be very happy about that specifically. <laughs> um, and and then again, one more time, I'm going to point it out. Uh, this Thursday, uh, the 18th, down at the Celtic on 14th and Market, we are going to be there with the Denver Nuggets organizations, Rocky, the Denver Nuggets dancers, uh, Gil Whiteley from Mile High Sports. He's pitching 100 bucks for drinks. Um, so get there early and it is going to be an exciting event. We want all of you guys to be there and I want to meet all of you. So make sure you come on down and make sure to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. We always appreciate those. And with that said, Mike, Jeremy, appreciate you guys being on. Absolutely. Thank you both, gents. A lot of fun. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.
It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. 